today. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing better than surrendering to Jesus. You know, I've heard, I've heard some people say, we shouldn't sing that song because it's a lie. In other words, you're not really surrendering all of it at the moment you're singing that song, right? Uh, but I think that's a lie. <laughs> I think we need to say that because even if, even if it's not totally true, it's our heart's cry. It's our heart's cry to say, oh, God. Even if there's something I don't know about, Lord, I'm just, I just want to surrender to you. I want to I I trust you, Jesus. You're, you're, you're my only hope. I, I trust you, Jesus. I give you this right now. And I think it's uh, sing yourself into living it. <laughs> You're not supposed to wait till you're good enough to approach Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if anybody's ever heard that before. So if you haven't heard that, uh, you've permission to reject that if you hear it. So it's it's go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. it's kind of like that guy that said, "I do believe, Lord, help my unbelief." So Jesus says, "Don't you believe?" He says, "I do, but I don't." <laughs> help me. So ask him to help you. Well, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. So we are traveling through the seven letters of the churches of Revelation. And so we're in Revelation chapter 2. Last week we looked at the, the letter to the church in Ephesus. These are personal, this, these are the words of Jesus to actual churches at this time. And... There is such a great amount of application. I believe almost all the things that they write in to these churches, these seven churches, can apply to our lives is something that Jesus would want to say to us, and he included it in his word. So it's for us. So can you say this right now? This is for me. This is for me. Thank you, Lord. So the first church was the church in Ephesus, and the next church is the church in Smyrna. And so, let's see if I have, okay. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Before we read it, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to open the word to us. Holy Spirit, open this word. Open your holy word as we, as we read it. Let us, let us hear from you. Let us receive from you, O oh God. Let us come with expectancy, God, that we're going to hear something that we need from you. And most of all, let it, let it draw us closer to you, Jesus. We want to be closer to you, God. We're not looking for a quick fix. We're not just looking for a spiritual high. We're looking for a lifelong, abundant relationship with you, Jesus. We're not just trying to make it through. We're allowing you to fill us with your life and your power and your peace and your wisdom, whatever it is that we need in this moment. 
your healing. Thank you, Lord, when your word is preached that healing can go forth to both bodies and hearts. So even though I'm not preaching on healing, God, I declare that as we read your word, that healing and health will will go out to minds, hearts, and bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this this really is the word of God. Sometimes we, we tend to forget and we just read it as, oh, this is just the Bible or something. But approach the scriptures as if this is the God-breathed word that it is. This is, this is life. We were watching, a, I watched a, wasn't planning to say this, a couple weekends ago, we, we watched the Jesus Revolution. Evan had not seen it. He didn't get to see it in the theaters. And so uh, I actually got something called a, a Blu-ray. <laughs> you all used to have those, right? The hard copy of the movie. Uh, and so we, we put it on the Blu-ray player and watched Jesus Revolution. And one of the things, there's, for, first of all, it, the awesome thing about that movie is it's true. That's, that's the amazing thing, is it's, it was a true move of God. And then I got to tell uh, my son also, hey, a grandpa was at that very tent in Costa Mesa, California. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. When, and next time you see grandpa, uh, you need to ask him about it. And so grandpa actually had a surprise visit this last Monday. He'd be a part of the service uh, or Sunday and Monday, on Monday, yeah. And so... Uh, Monday night, uh, their plane got, we got, they got his plane, their flights got canceled on Monday. They couldn't get back. And so uh, my dad got to sleep in not his bed and, and his wife, Charlie, got to sleep not in their bed again. They got to sleep in Air Lee's room again. Uh, and, but there was something that happened is like that night we, we had a conversation and Evan got to be a part of a conversation with my dad about what it was like and what God was doing in that time. You know, and there's, there's something amazing about passing on the work of God to your children and your grandchildren. So make sure you share the story of what Jesus has done in your life because it needs to be passed on. That's how the generations, they, they tell the testimony of the Lord. They, they, they declare the goodness of God. They declare, like, here's, here's what God did. And so, so make sure, make sure your kids and grandkids, and if you, have great, if you have great grandkids, once they're old enough, make sure they know what Jesus has done in your life. Do they know how you were saved? Do they know how you came to the Lord? Do they know how your life was changed? Don't just feed them ice cream. Do that too after next week. Uh, <laughs> after next Sunday, I'm ready for some ice cream. But pass it on. I know it was just so powerful. That moment was just so powerful to hear stories. And then here's, here's the thing that was funny is my dad's telling these stories, and there's a couple of things I'd never heard before. I'm like, he's like, have I ever told you that before? I said, no. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was, so he needs to tell me again. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's just a reminder that sometimes we, get, we go through life and, like, that's important. 
to pass on the, the testimony of the Lord. Let your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids Go ahead and tell your neighbors too, your coworkers, whoever, but just certainly in your family, let's let's pass on the story of the Lord. Anyway, that was that was totally free. That's not even where I was going with that, but I one thing I noticed that and I think uh the Chuck Smith, the pastor of the Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, who was these you know, one of the subjects of the, the move of God in the late sixties, early seventies, was he would hold his Bible up when he was preaching, he would say, This is life. This is life. Read it like your life depends upon it. Read this word like your life, your spiritual life, and maybe your physical life too, depends upon it. This is the word of God. It's alive, it's living and active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen. Now let's read. Verse 8. Revelation 2, verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander or the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. These are the words of Jesus, by the way, as a reminder. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you a crown of life, or a life as your victor's crown, or a crown of life. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, they will not be hurt at all by the second death. Now, all these churches that that he was writing to are uh, in Turkey, and so Smyrna, we don't have a record of how the gospel came to Smyrna. Uh, it was called the first city of Asia of size and beauty. It was on the coast. Um, and it was a very influential city along with the first three cities here, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum, were like the, the ones kind of vying to be the top city. Um, and so they... they uh, but the gospel came to them most likely when Paul came to Ephesus. And so the, it says, remember it says in the, the, what we read last week in Acts chapter 19, it says, so everyone in the region heard the word of the Lord. And so it's most likely that that's, that's how it happened. So when the, in the, when the revival broke out in Ephesus, when there was this move of God, it says that everybody in the region heard the word of the Lord. And so there was this movement uh, in this area. And so that's how most likely this church was was birthed. And so... Jesus starts it off and he reminds everybody, he, he wants to remind them, hey, look, I'm in charge. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and omega. I, I was there before and I'll be there at the end. And that's good to know because I want somebody who knows what they're doing. I need somebody who's, who's, who's been there before. You know, when, when you've never done something before and you, you go along, um, I don't have an example right now, but... Uh, 
Tell me something you all want to do someday that you've never done. Anybody got something? Skydiving? No. You want to do skydiving? Scuba diving. Okay, skydiving or scuba diving. Those are both both kind of scary, I think. Uh, How many of you want to scuba dive with somebody who's never done it before? Right? Who wants to jump out of an airplane? Well, first of all, there's a lot of us that say, as soon as you said jump an airplane, I'm out. <laughs> Some of you are out when I said the word airplane. <laughs> Some of you are out just when you say the word jump. But uh, <laughs> can't do that no more. Um, but nobody wants to jump. I don't want to jump out of an airplane with someone who's never done it before, right? You, you, you want to go with someone who's been there before. And so that's what's happening here is is Jesus, before he tells them what they're about to experience, he's saying, I have been there. And that's important because about what he is going to address here. Jesus is saying the first and last, hey, look, I, I am who I say I am. I was dead and I came back to life again. And I know your afflictions. Now, this is that same word from if you were here a couple weeks ago when we said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9, it says that, that suffering or tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance, they are ours in Christ Jesus. That's part of our inheritance is to share in the suffering and the tribulation of Christ. Didn't get an amen on that one. <laughs> But that's part of what we're called to do. You know, we want to, what would Jesus do? Well, he suffered. He came to suffer. And he says, hey, guess what? You get to take up your cross and follow me. It's not a very popular message, right? It doesn't, it doesn't fill the churches up. You know, the one that fills the churches up is that this. Hey, come, come to Jesus and all your dreams will come true. You'll be blessed. You'll be amazing. You'll feel good. Everything's going to be great. You know, it's all going to be good once you come to Jesus. But the message of the gospel is this, that Jesus suffered and died so that I could have the ultimate victory and freedom, which is the freedom from my sin. And I can have a relationship with Jesus that no matter what I'm walking through, I have life in me. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Because you've walked through it before. He has already walked through death. He's already walked through suffering. He's already walked through pain. He's walked through rejection. He's walked through brokenness. He's walked through it all. It says in Hebrews 5.8, this is not on the screen. It says, although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So he says, I know. I know your afflictions. I've been there. Jesus experienced any brokenness or pain that we can experience. He experienced it in his life and on the cross. The ones he didn't get to personally experience in life, guess what? It says all the sin of the world was placed upon Jesus. So any sin that's been done to you, he felt. He suffered in that same way. Any point of pain that you've been in, he, it says that he carried, in Isaiah 53, he carried our pains. 
So any pain you've been in, he experienced it on the cross, and he paid the debt for our sin. So he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty. They were most likely that the church at this point was was financially just poor. I know that doesn't preach in some prosperity things, but they were just they just didn't have a lot of money at this point. But then it says this, yet you're rich. Yet you're rich. So it doesn't matter if you're ever poor financially, you're rich. You have the riches of Christ. It doesn't matter. First of all, as a reminder, in the United States, we are richer than about 98% of the whole world. Even if we're poor in the United States, you make more money and have more things than about 98% of the war, entire world. If you, if you make even $100 a day, I think it's, I think it's 99%. You're in the 1%. You know those one, oh, the one percenters? Guess what? It's America. <laughs> We're the one percenters. So, but even if we don't have money, we are rich. Why? Because we have Jesus. You know, when we come to the end of our life, guess what? It doesn't matter how much money you have. No one is worried about how much money they have when they're about to face their death. It doesn't matter how, many, how much stuff you've accumulated. It doesn't matter how much you've accomplished. It doesn't matter if you won the Super Bowl six times. None of those things matter. The only thing that matters when someone is facing death is Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you're rich. Then he says this. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. It's most likely that there's a lot of dispute about what this means, but basically there was a group there that was not on board with the, the true gospel. Okay, we'll just say that. So they weren't following the teachings of Jesus, and they were coming against those and saying, basically, no, you're you're not really those people. You don't really you're not really God's people. You don't fit in with us. And he's saying, look, these people are they're saying things that are wrong. Don't listen to them. Sometimes we need to not listen to voices that are trying to tell us what we aren't. We need to shut out those voices that says, oh, you're just you're never going to make it. You're you're fake. That's not the real deal. Oh, you don't know how to pray. You don't you, you don't know how to be a parent. <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> Learning as I go. There was no manual. Did you notice that? No manual. Where are the instructions to these things? These people. <sighs> so then verse 10. Here's here's the heart of of the message. That, that Jesus says to them, do not be afraid or do not fear what you are about to suffer. You know, fear, 
<laughs> fear, its main goal, I think, is to stop us, to keep us from moving forward in whatever God is calling us to do. In this case, God is calling them to suffer. <laughs> but sometimes we can just be so afraid of what's going to happen next that we just, we just stop. It's the worst thing we can do in our spiritual lives is just to stop because it's a spiritual walk with Jesus. It's, he's, he's always moving us forward. He is, he is always leading us somewhere. He's, he's always doing something. What did Jesus say? My Father is always at work. And so he, he's inviting us, but fear wants us to say, just, just stop. And I'm not sure why we think stopping is going to keep us safe, but, but we do, right? I mean... Maybe it's the thing like when you're, you know, when you're in the dark and you can't see and someone shuts off the lights, what do you do? You, you stop because what? You're afraid you're going to step on a Lego or you're going to, you know, there's going to be, I mean, that's like worse than death almost. Have you ever done that before? That's, yeah, those things are, those, that's painful uh, right there. But, you know, because you, you don't, you, you just stop. And so sometimes it's like that when, we, when, we're, when we're moving forward, it's like, we, we just stop doing what we're doing. We, we stop. You know, when people are going through hard times, a lot of times they just disconnect from people, right? They stop relationship. One of the very things that's going to give them life is relationship with somebody else, is, is sharing your life with someone, is opening your life, is, is sharing your needs with someone that you can love and trust. And it's, a, it's a gift of God to us, this fellowship and this community that we have with one another. And, but what happens is when we become afraid, guess what? We, we stop. We close ourselves off and we say, I'm not going to, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen. And so I'm, I'm afraid. And so I, I just stop. You know, when the whole world stopped recently in 2020, a lot of people just, just freaked out and they just stopped doing whatever. They, they, we, they just stopped everything. And you had to, you had to get people to restart. And then there were some people that were still afraid for a long, long time because they're like, oh, what, what if, what if something bad's happened? What if this is going to happen? What if this is going to happen? Well, I, we don't know what's going to happen. Newsflash, you don't know. doesn't matter how many prophetic bulletins you read. It could be like, hey, it's going to get worse. Have you seen those things? Have you seen those news things? Like this guy, you know, they have these predictors of financial things. Like, we are about to come upon the greatest financial crash ever. Maybe. I don't know. But what does that stir up in people's hearts? Fear. Because people that are fearful don't act. They just stay where they're at. And so he says right here, he says, look, what you're going to go through in the future is going to be hard, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to walk through it. Don't be afraid to go through this. You're, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Because in the middle of testing is the faithfulness of God. In the middle of testing is the faithfulness of God. You know, the book of 1 Peter says this. I'm going to read a few scriptures, so if you want to write the references down, you can. 
This is 1 Peter 2, 21 and 23. It says, For to this you have been called. Listen to this. You have been called. Christ also suffered for you, leaving behind for you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. Who says, I want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Not everybody today is already like, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. He says, guess what? You get to suffer with Christ. When he was insulted, this is verse 23, he did not respond with an insult. Ouch. But he did flip him off. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I knew I had to get one in there somewhere. too serious. When he was insulted, he did not respond with an insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Then at the book, the end of the book there in in 1 Peter 4.19, he says, So then, let those who are suffering according to the will of God by doing good, entrust their souls to a faithful creator. So this is an act of you trusting your very life and soul to Jesus. It's an invitation to trust. It's an invitation to have your heart molded to look more like Jesus. If you turn to Romans 5, In verses 3 through 5, it says this. I'll turn there in this Bible. This one is on on the screen, but it's nice to flip our Bible sometimes, isn't it? Verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You ever find yourself in a place of hopelessness and you're like, what's going to get me there? And sometimes you're like, I just need something good to happen. But God says sometimes something hard happens. You go through a trial or a tribulation. This word means trouble, distress, oppression, tribulation, uh, distressing circumstances or pressure. And so it's through that very experience that you gain hope. Why do you gain hope when going through that experience? Because you experience the faithfulness of God. You experience the hand of God in that moment, that in those moments that that He walks you through it and you come out alive. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of being able to walk into something hard. Don't be afraid of what's, what's, what's in store. What happens is it's even like Felicia was saying earlier. It's like when so many things happen in your life, sometimes we're like, I'm, I'm scared to just wake up. What's going to happen today? When the phone rings, you're like, what bad thing? Who's calling me with some bad news, right? Because we're afraid of what's going to happen. But it says here in the word, we do not have to fear. 
Because God has not given me a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, but he's given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control, whichever verse, but both are good. If you've got self-control, guess what? Your mind is yourself, part of yourself, right? So it, it'll, you'll be thinking right. And so he is encouraging you that, that the brokenness in the world that we face, I mean, because that's really, I'm not talking so much about that we necessarily, Jesus doesn't send sickness on us, just to be clear on that. He's not sending things on us and said, you have, to, you have to just go through this. Jesus is the healer, okay? But in the middle of walking through a broken world, guess what? There's all kinds of loss and grief and hardship that we have to go through because this is not heaven. Thank you, Jesus is not heaven, right? <laughs> There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And until then, we get to share in the suffering of Jesus. Here's the other reason is this. When somebody else sees you walk through something horrific and still love Jesus, that's a testimony to them. It says, my God is real. My God is real. Jesus is alive. Just like he says at the start, he says, hey, I'm alive. I'm alive right now. I just want you to know that I'm alive. You're about to go through, through, through some stuff. I'm, I'm promising you that you are going to go through this. But the good point of the promise is this. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Sounds like the book of Job. Anybody ever read the book of Job? Uh, this is what I'd like to do with the book of Job sometimes is just kind of tear it out of the Bible and don't ever pretend it's not there, right? <laughs> you read through it real fast. <laughs> and so, you know, the, in, the book, in the book of Job, there's, there's a man who's following God with all of his heart, yet all these bad things happen to him. And they're like, what's going on? Why has all this bad stuff happened to me? And then at the end, God says, guess what? You don't know everything. <laughs> I'm God. And at the end, Job blesses the Lord. Because even in the middle of all of it, God was faithful to him. God was with him. The Lord was walking him through it. And so it's the same here. He says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. It's a test. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. You know, when you follow Jesus, there's going to be people that come against you. Sometimes in your own family, you know, you have to take a stand for something like, hey, we're not going to do this. And they're like, oh, come on, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, come on. You know, and they might, some of the hardest persecution I've found in, in sometimes comes from other people who call themselves Christians. Who point at you and say, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to, you don't need to be that, all that serious. You don't need to go that far. Oh, you're, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's not God. You don't have to do that. You're, it's grace, man. It's free. It's, it's all good. It's love. And hey, guess what? Grace and love are a part of this, but so is also purity and holiness and suffering. You get to share in the nature and walk with Jesus Christ through this. It's not so much the, 
the easy things that make me look more like Jesus. Many times it's the things that hurt that make me look more like Jesus. But here's two things about the testing from this scripture. Number one, it was a specific time of testing. It will not be forever. So know that whatever you're in, there is a time frame of testing. Just like there was a time for Job, there's a time for the church in Smyrna, there's a time for you that this will not last forever. Number two is this. The testing is to is to strengthen you, not to destroy you. It was for their benefit that they were going to go through this. So don't be afraid. And this, it says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown, or I'll give you a crown of life. You know, when I read this, it's a... I'm just reminded of of those who've walked before us who've been faithful unto death. Sometimes we 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 get in the mindset of, oh, I'm the only one who's ever felt this way. <laughs> it's silly, isn't it? It's like, oh, this has never happened to anybody. You know, this is you we're so consumed with our situation that we can't see that 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 you know, other other people are walking through something. But there are others who have been faithful their whole entire lives. I look at this as two ways. Number one is to be faithful unto death. Like if it costs you your life, are you willing to follow Jesus to your death? I mean, we're not anywhere near that in America yet. But there are brothers and sisters all over the world That are, that are dying for their faith. They are, they are, to use the language of today, they are literally, they are literally giving their lives for their faith in Jesus. All over the place, it's happening. You know, it's interesting. Let me find, oh wait, that's on my phone. I had to have a lot of different notes today for this. So, a little church history lesson here. Anybody, well, there's probably most of us. Most of you have probably never heard of a guy named Polycarp. Anybody heard of Polycarp before? My son has. The sound booth is good. There's a few of you, okay? So, Polycarp was, was one of the last disciples of the Apostle John who wrote this scripture and guess uh, where he was the a church leader at? Smyrna. There you go. That's why we're reading him today. And so Polycarp was one who became a leader in the church of Smyrna. He was probably the bishop at that point of, you know, the, the overseer of the church in that region, uh, in that city. And he gave his life in Smyrna. It's interesting that the letter to the church in Smyrna, it's actually that he ended up being faithful even to the point of death. And it says that Polycarp, when he was being killed on the day of his death for his faith in Jesus Christ, he said, 
Eighty and six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. Polycarp, then he said, How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? You threaten me with a fire that burns for a season, and after a little while is quenched. But you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that's prepared for the wicked. And Polycarp was then burned at the stake and pierced with a spear. Listen to this. For refusing to burn incense to the Roman emperor. On his farewell, he said, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in a company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. Man, I just wonder if there are some people who say, man, it's no big deal, just light the incense thing. Don't worry about it. But he says, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to compromise. I don't, I, don't care. I don't care if everybody else is going to not follow. I'm, I'm not going to compromise this. It may look like a little thing. Just, you know, just, it's just like the, uh, the guys in the fiery furnace, Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, this, this, just, just kneel for a second. Don't, don't worry about it. No big deal. They're like, no, we're not. I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to worship another god. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bow my life to anybody but Jesus. And we have to sometimes take a stand with things that want us to compromise, that want us to to give in to the world, and just just kind of mix things together. And we have to say, just no, I'm not going to do that. I don't care if it's not a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to Jesus. I'm not just going to let this go. I'm I'm going to stand here and I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what it costs me. And right now, it's not going to cost me my life. Sometimes it costs you a friendship, right? There's a death of a relationship because you take a stand for Jesus and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm all in for this. And they're like, sorry, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. I, I'm going to reject you because of your faith. I'm going to cut off relationship. There's, there's a, that hurts. We don't have to pretend it doesn't hurt, man. Sometimes there's close friends and people that we love, family members, whatever, where they reject us and they hurt us because of our faith. But we have to stand firm and know that I'm going to be faith that Jesus was faithful unto death and I can be faithful unto death. I can have the grace to to walk through whatever it is I have to walk through and be faithful unto death. And so the second way I look at it is this that I'm going to be faithful my whole life. It's not just about being faithful in a in a in a situation where like Either do this or we're going to kill you. It's, it's also being faithful your whole entire life to say, I'm going to be faithful until I actually die. I'm going to walk this out until the day of my death. I'm going to continue to get to know Jesus and get closer to him. I'm going to be faithful unto death. And the good news is we get a promise. I'll give you the crown of life. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who's victorious, you will not be hurt at all by the second death. The second death, of course, is hell. The lake of fire. To the one who overcomes, will not be hurt at all by the second death. 
thank you, Lord. You know, we, we might be walking through some hell on earth, but it's nothing like the second death hell. When you walk with Jesus, you have the promise of life. You have the promise of victory. Doesn't always mean that situation is going to work out like you wanted to work out. Because we don't know everything. We don't know the I don't know the steps that needs to happen in everyone's life, not even the least of bit mine. But I do know that I can choose to not be afraid. I can entrust myself to my Savior, and I can be faithful to the end. Jesus wants us to be faithful to the end. To say, I'm going to walk with you no matter what it costs me. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, you must take up your cross. In other words, what he's talking about is you're going to have to die to some things. You're going to have to die to some things that are just you. They're about you. They're about what you want and what you desire and and your plans. You're going to have to die to those things and say, Jesus, what do you want? How do you want to change me? How do you want to work in my life? I am choosing to trust you. He's never going to leave you. But he's not always going to give you what you want. Because he's good. He's good. Everything he does is good. He was working for the good of this church. And we don't know what happened to this church. We don't, we don't have any information, but we do know what their leader was like. We do know the fruit of what happened is somebody like Polycarp who says, guess what, you can burn me, but you're, you're not going to take, take my, my worship of Jesus. And he blesses God at the end of his life. He worships God even unto death. So I encourage you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the future because Jesus has already walked through it. Jesus knows what you're going to walk through. He he knows. He's not surprised. He's not shocked. He knows exactly what you're facing. And he's going to be faithful at your greatest point of grief, at your greatest point of loss, at your greatest point of persecution, whatever it is, relationships being, being destroyed, whatever it is that, that Jesus is going to walk you through it, whatever point of brokenness you have to walk through, whatever point of pain you have to walk through, that Jesus knows your affliction and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Will you trust in me? Will you trust in me? Thank you, Father. Let's stand. Father, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We choose to trust in you, O God. Thank you, Father. What an appropriate song that you picked out, Felicia, I Surrender All. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. So, Father, we we choose to surrender 
freshly to you, to your plans, to your grace, to what you're doing in our future, God. We embrace you. We know that you're the faithful God. We know that not only did you walk through the suffering, that you overcame the suffering, that you triumphed over every enemy. And so even when we're in the middle of something, God, this is, a, this is an enemy that we will, we will walk over and we will see victory on the other side. We are going to see a victory because, Jesus, you have already won the victory. And we thank you, Lord, as we're walking through the valley... As we're walking through the valley, we will not be afraid. Father, I pray for anyone in here who's crippled by fear, who they've, they've not made decisions. They, they're just stuck where they are. They, they, they aren't moving forward because they're like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What, what's going to happen in the future? God, I just break that fear in Jesus' name. I say, fear, you are not my master. Fear, you will not control my life. Fear, you must bow your name to Jesus. God, we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. We will trust in you. I will not fear what they fear. I won't fear what the world fears. I won't fear what comes tomorrow. Jesus, you are faithful. Thank you that we can be faithful because you're faithful. It's not my strength, it's your strength, God. And we're inviting you to walk with us and fill us freshly, God. I thank you for this 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 inspiration here that this this man was was filled with the grace of God and the power of God. And I just thank you for every man and woman and child in this room that they'll be filled with the grace of God. They'll be filled with the strength of God. They'll be filled with the endurance of God. They'll be filled with, with something that's supernatural beyond themselves. They'll be able to walk through and still praise you. Thank you, Father. We choose to trust you, O God. We choose to trust you, O God, as we walk. As we walk through a valley, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for shining the light on any area of our lives as you've been doing this whole service. I feel like God's just continuing to say, will you give this to me? Will you give this to me? Will you trust me with your family. Will you trust me with your children? Will you trust me with your finances? I don't know. Will you trust me with your health? Whatever it is, will you trust me that I am going to walk you through this? That I am the resurrection and the life? That I am the first and the last? That I am the one? I'm the one you must look at. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. In the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. One more time. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'll oh, just worship him right now. Just declare words of praise. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we honor you, God. Oh, we lay it at your feet today, oh God. Those things that we're holding on to right now, we choose to release them to you. Right? We release the future to you, God. We will not fear the future. We will not fear the future. We will not fear the future. We will not fear what happens tomorrow. Lord, we will embrace you and allow you to embrace us in the middle of what we're walking through right now. We choose to entrust our souls to you, God. You are faithful. The Bible says, he who called you is faithful. He who called you is faithful. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, just fill us. Father, thank you for freshly just giving our, uh, our spirit life once again. God, we receive from you. We receive from you your grace. That your power is made perfect in my weakness. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. We just choose to receive that grace in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Prayer team, come on up. If you need prayer for anything, if this has stirred your heart, just say, I just still need somebody to pray for me. Please don't leave without receiving prayer today.